0: Let's just respond to that. that that's um, actually some of the direction I'm going this morning. Lord, we, we, we need you to be in charge. Lord, we need to surrender and submit to you. More than anything else, Lord, it's about you. Our lives are about you. Our, our, today is about you. Tomorrow is about you. Our future is about you. God, help us to submit and surrender to you. And Holy Spirit, you have your way. Have your way this morning, have your way in our church, have your way in our lives, in our marriages, in our family. Holy Spirit, you have your way, what you want to do, in the name of Jesus, in the name of Jesus, in Jesus' name, amen. You know, we <clears throat> I talk about this every now and then, but I want to make sure that, uh, that everybody understands some of you may, this may be different for you, but we do believe that God speaks to us. And we believe that God speaks to us this way. We believe um, straight out of First uh, Corinthians, well, all through Corinthians, Acts, all kinds of places in the New Testament, that the Holy Spirit speaks to us um, in a lot of ways, through tongues, interpretation, word of knowledge, word of prophecy, all these different kind of things. And uh, we actually desire that. We look for that. We, we want that to happen. Uh, In our services, and then so here's the other part that I don't um, get often: the the thing, the opportunity to say is we also should do something about it when we hear that, right? If if we know God is trying to tell us something, we should do something about it. Think about think about what is being said. Think about what the Holy Spirit is saying to you and how He wants to say that. So we did have, uh, and they 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 send their apologies. The Perrys came through here a couple weeks ago. Um, and talked to us on a Wednesday night during the VBS. They talked to the kids, that kind of thing. They weren't going to be able to be around here for the weekend. Some of you may not know the Perrys, uh, the video that you just saw. The, they, are, they were here in our church for about a year, year and a half, and uh, we're trying to figure out what God was telling them to do overseas and that kind of thing. And so they went and did uh, what you saw in the video, the anime stuff. Um, well, I would say cartoon, but that's not what it's called. Uh, but they but they did this for Bible study, Bible stories, all these kind of things for ministries, and to the point where they said that millions of people were watching that stuff every single week, and it was about Jesus. And uh, that's pretty exciting stuff. So they've, they've turned that over to the other team that they built doing that, and now as you can see from the video, and I've got some examples up here, they're doing this pottery stuff, um, some teams in uh, Borneo and Malaysia are doing this, and you're welcome to, uh, after I finished speaking. You're welcome to come here and look at some of these, grab some of these, but I do want to encourage you to grab these two things. Uh, this is their team that they've got in Malaysia, and this is uh, the website and the stuff, and then there's information on the back about that to to uh, support the missional movement that they're doing there in Borneo, and this is something that's becoming more and more common. In, in fact, I think <clears throat> common is not the right word. I think this is becoming the, the norm now, and I believe that this is this is probably what should have been happening for, for a long, long time, is uh, the idea of, of uh, tent-making missions. That's the term we call it because of Paul. Paul made tents in the, in the New Testament. He didn't just go from church to church and, and pastor churches and stuff. He, he went and started churches, but he raised his own support. In fact, he talks about this a few times, that, that the way he did things financially was he made tents, that supported him, and then he would give offerings, and sometimes they would give him and stuff. But uh, the, the idea of going to another country and starting a business and things, I think, is is it already is the norm. But I think it is going to be the future uh, of missions in a in a strong way. Um, I also <clears throat> wanted. Oh, and when when they were here, Josiah. So so some of you that have been around here, you know this. If you're newer here, let me tell you about the Perrys. Um, their uh, second child, their second, I mean, their second son. Uh, was born blind, and uh, while they were coming here, they had done tests on him, and they, he, he had no whatsoever reaction to light, anything, And uh, we, we, as a church, we really began to pray for him. And uh, while they were here, he went to the doctor one time, and the doctor said, "We don't know what's happened, but he's starting to respond to light." And and that continuously just uh, continues continues to to develop. When he was here, he was he was communicating. He was learning sign language. He sees a little bit, uh, light and dark, things like that, and he was walking. Um, this was, this, I mean, this is, if you were here when he was here, you would understand this is a pretty big miracle. This is a big supernatural thing. And so, always continue. I've got his picture in my office. I've had it there since they were here uh, a few years back. And every, I, when I'm sitting at my desk, I can see his picture. And I pray for him all the time. Uh, this would be a good thing to do. Just pray. Pray for this little boy. And uh, pray for the Perrys. And then connect. If you want to grab some of these uh, cups and mugs and things like this, I would assume that you're taking these because you are going to be involved financially in missions. Okay. <laughs> the uh, Wednesday night services, as, you meant, as we mentioned, we, we really are struggling in a lot of ways. I've mentioned this over the last few weeks. Uh, a lot of people moved. A lot of people are taking some time off from... From uh, doing some of the stuff on Wednesday nights and so basically uh, Krista and even this morning she she texted me yesterday the day before and she said it's gonna be difficult this morning she said I have two helpers for both services how do you deal with 30 kids and two helpers in two services so part of the reason I'm saying that is to make you feel horribly guilty (laughs) that God has called some of you to work with children right Um, And we know that we know this is just a crazy transition. A lot of things have happened in the last three or four months that doesn't normally happen like this. But because of this, we're uh, not we're suspending the children's stuff on Wednesday nights. And I'll be here teaching and doing stuff because I like to do that. And you can come, not come, that kind of thing. So um, we we uh, don't normally do this, but I would like to take an opportunity this morning to um, sing happy birthday to somebody if we could. So, I, you know, you guys know I hate to embarrass people. <laughs> so, Beth, if you don't mind standing up. <laughs> Come on, Beth. <laughs> Nobody else's birthday today. They can't stand. No, girls, sit down. This is her birthday. not your birthday. <laughs> <laughs> um, so her daughter asked me before service. She said, do you normally do this? I said, no, we don't. Um, and then she, then she said, and this, this, I know this sounds weird, I'm not saying this, I'm not, I'm just, this is just the truth, okay? She said, well, this is a special one for my mother. And in my head, I thought, what is this, like 60? I'm dead serious. Because when you know Beth, she's very young, she's very young at heart, she's, but this is the big 75 for her. That's huge. <laughs> How many else are you like? Really, 75? That, that's it. No, Beth, you got to stand up. We're gonna sing to you. We're gonna sing. You got to stand while we sing. No, it's 75. You got to stand up. You can go to sleep while I'm preaching, but <laughs> okay. Let's sing to her. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Beth Isaac. Happy birthday to you! All right, now you get it. So, we did fireworks this last couple of weeks. Thank you to everybody that really jumped in and did that. Um, it, as always, it's going to bring a lot of money into our departments, a lot of ministry, that stuff that happens. Uh, people go to camps and retreats because of this, and and uh, so thank you for all of that. I want to I want to jump back into this this morning. Looking at the concept of I believe in God, um, and this is, this is one, this morning I think is very important, uh, not just on I do, I cognitively believe in God and does it play out in my life, I, I believe that there is uh, th- some things we'll see as we get toward the end of this this morning, that there is a, a return to us in this. Uh, this has to do with emotional, mental health, and these kind of things, and, and how, how we are, um, who we are, and how that plays out into our life. Okay, so we've been looking at uh, our, the, the direction of our church this year. We're, we're really focusing on pursuing God. That's um, that's our, our vision for this year. Pursuing God in in three basic ways. We're pursuing the uh, presence of God. We're pursuing the will of God, and we're pursuing the power of God. We've got to make sure in in the um, in our in our Christian walk and our relationship with Jesus. We've got to make sure that we don't. Uh, do something out of balance to something else okay this is i 've talked about this before uh, in in relationship to the two greatest commandments Jesus says, Love God with everything about you, love your neighbor as yourself and I think the church oftentimes gets caught up in loving God uh, with everything but not loving your neighbor and that 's an out of balance kind of thing. what happens is you begin to it, it begins to twist and pervert what loving God is because it becomes self focused if you 're not loving your neighbor as yourself and i 'm saying to the point of Uh, loving them to God, I mentioned this a few weeks ago, loving them to God, the gospel, loving them uh, away from sin, loving them uh, to the realization of who they are in God, those kind of things. If you're not loving them the way God expects you to love them, and you're saying, well, my Christian walk is really about loving God, guys, that really twists and perverts who we are as Christians because that becomes humanistic. It becomes self-focused. It becomes selfish that we're loving God just because of us. That anybody else, everybody else can literally end up in hell. It doesn't matter to us. We're loving God. Well, can you really do that? Now think about what I'm saying. Can you really love God without loving people to him? Without caring about the loss? Are you really loving God? Or are you loving something within yourself that propels you in a spiritual way? And then you put God at the head of that. And I, and I do believe that that is the biggest uh, issue in America right now in Christianity is that we have built a Christianity that's about loving God, period. And, and to, the, to the exclusion of all of the people he created and all of his children, people that his heart beats for, we don't love them. And, and there's, a, there's an unbalance there. I think the same thing can happen when it comes to who we are as individuals uh, um, in our daily life. All this plays out in how we interact with God uh, and so the, going back to the pursuing God. So we got to pursue God in all levels. We're pursuing His will, too. We don't just pursue a, a feeling. We don't just pursue His spiritualness, but we pursue um, Him. We pursue His will. We pursue His power. That means we've got to be pursuing His conviction. The Holy Spirit needs to be convicting us on a regular basis. If that's not happening, there's something out of balance in our Christian walk. And it's become about us being happy or something like that rather than really pursuing. God, what do you want? What do you need for me? How, do, how does that look? And so I'm going to show the video clip again. I've showed it the last uh, couple of weeks. This is just one. The first week I showed uh, three different videos. Again, this is a guy named Jordan Peterson. I'm a huge fan of Jordan Peterson. He's, he is an atheist. Um, I, I've had a couple of people in church and even some people that I've talked to throughout the week come and say, do you, Jordan Peterson really is an atheist? Yes, he is an atheist, but because he says so many solid, good things, and and he's a truth seeker, uh, sometimes the church we kind of just assume those people are Christians, um, and he's not. He's not a Christian, uh, but he is really a, a, a wise individual and, a, and truly a truth seeker. And so this was a video of when somebody asked him, "Do you believe in God?" and that it, and it's and it. Um, it spawned this uh, two-hour lecture that he gave on what does it mean to believe in God because of uh, self-introspection. And so this is just a little... Remember, he's an atheist. Go ahead.
1: Say, I believe in God. It's like, okay, well, that's hypothetically pretty impressive, I would say. It's like you believe that there's a divine power that oversees everything that is fundamentally ethical, that's watching everything you do, and, um, and you believe that. And so... What effect does that have on your behavior, if you believe it? Does that mean that you're... Well, are you you all in on your beliefs? Are you sacrificing everything to this transcendent entity that you proclaim belief in? Have you cleansed yourself of all your sin, let's say? Are you making all the sacrifices that you need to make? Like, have you taken the mote out of your eye? No. or or, 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 are you in the same situation? Let's say that the Catholic Church seems to be in right now.
0: Now, here is, <clears throat> here's what I'm doing with this is when, so I, so I listened to this a while back, and it really convicted me on a few different levels because he says he talks for almost two hours in this, and and it's all about do you believe in God? What does that mean? What does that mean if you say you're a believer? And and the more I listen, the more it really bothered me because. There's a lot of things that he's saying here that are actually biblically founded truth. And and I think myself, and I think the church in general, and us, Church of Bargate, I think it's convicting because I don't think we're all in on some things. I think think we probably want to be, but what does it mean to really say I'm all in? I I ask this question every now and then to our pastors. I ask it to myself all the time. I ask it to our pastors, and I ask it to um, our board. We've talked about this in our board meetings before. But this is a simple question, but it it, it can really mess with your head, is go back in any time in the church. Let's just start at the cross and come forward, not before the cross, but the cross and come forward. If at any time in history, just, just pick a time, if the church at large looked like your life, would the church have moved forward generation after generation? If the church did the same things you do, preaching the gospel, um, committing, all in kind of mentality, giving, financial, all these kind of things, would the church have died in that generation or the next, or, or would it have continued forward? Guys, that's, that's pretty convicting. If, if I'm the church, am I expecting somebody else to do something or, or am I owning this? Would the church have progressed? How many people would have been saved in, say, 700 A.D.? How many people would have been saved during that time frame if the church looked exactly like you? Right? That's that's frightening. Sometimes I feel like, oh, it would move forward. Sometimes I'm like, the church would have died. And you can go to any time. Go to right now. Is the church going to move forward? See, what we do, depending on the time frame we're in, we assume somebody else is going to do that stuff. This is one of the problems I have with churches that say they are just discipleship churches. They're not evangelistic churches. I struggle with that theologically. Because why? If they're just discipleship churches, who are they discipling who witnessed to those people? How'd they get saved? Right? So, so to, to, to break this down, all the different areas of our life, this is the am I all in? Am I on? Begin to go to all these different areas of life. Um, we looked at relationships. We looked at finances. What does it mean to be all in? What does it mean to say, God, that you, you truly are the direction I'm going? You're not something on the side. You're the direction I'm going. My life is, is about you. You're not something on the side kind of thing right? And so I want to I look this morning at um, purpose. Purpose and then peace and how they work together. And you'll see as we get to the end of this, how, how purpose, we, we chase peace so much, but we don't understand that there are some very solid theological, some very solid biblical stuff that show us how to get, have peace in our heart and our minds. And, and our society struggles so much with uh, with peace, peace and contentment in our spirit, true peace in our spirit. And, and you can look just statistically, I've talked about this a lot over the last year or so, um, that depression is up like crazy in the United States, suicide is up like crazy in the United States. Guys, that's, that's a sign of something bigger. That's not just there are some sad people out there. That's a, there's a lot more to it than that. And what does this look like? So, so I had this conversation with this guy a couple weeks ago. I think I mentioned this last week in, in one of our services. But uh, we were, I was at the fireworks stand sitting there, and this guy walks up, and he had been in the Army and um, got to talking. He had a cane. He was walking uh, with, a, with uh, a lot of difficulty. And, uh, and I said, did you get that in the Army? And he said, yeah. And, and then he, began, he just began to open up to me. I didn't ask this stuff, but, but he said, I can't be in the Army anymore. I want to be, but I can't. He said, I loved the Army. And he's probably 30. And he said, I can't be in the Army, because I'm hurt, full disability. He said, I'd love to go get a job, but I can't. He said, "I, I, I I don't like this. I don't like this lifestyle. And I thought about that a lot, because there's this interesting thing, specifically when you're younger. I'm saying teenage into early adult life. I remember now, now, I was a kid when, this, when this, first, this thought process first happened in my life. I was a kid. My my father's very strict, and he made us work very hard, um, those kind of things. And so, uh, I, I mean, there, was, there wasn't times we didn't work all the time. Um, little things that some people just kind of take for granted. My, my father never let me sleep past 8 o'clock in the morning. Lazy people sleep past 8 o'clock. People that are changing the world don't, right? So I was up. You know, I'm eight, seven years old. I'm up at eight because I'm going to change the world. So, but just just, just work hard, work hard, work hard, work hard all the time. And I remember one time we were driving to church on a Sunday morning, and we passed this field with a bunch of cows out there in the field, and they were just standing there in the field eating grass. And I envied those cows because <laughs> nobody was making them work. I, I know, you're like, that was sad, but... That really, that really did happen. I remember thinking to myself, and so I began to analyze all kinds of, like, like our, our dog, the little dog at the time, and he would just go lay out in the backyard, and I was like, what it would be to be a little dog? Because <laughs> you don't have to work. Um, as, I, as I got older, I realized there's something wrong with that philosophy, <laughs> okay? I, I wrote this statement down. We think we want no work. Stacks of money and self-designed friendships. I don't think we really do. The idea that you would just have unlimited resources instantaneously right now, I really believe, and I'm not being critical of anybody in this room, I really believe it would destroy most of us, if not all of us. We would not come out on the end of that very good. That kind of thing is destructive. And here's part of the reason, is because God didn't design you that way. This is is a a supernatural thing that we can look into. God didn't design you to just have no cares in whatever arena you want to put them in. God did not design you to, um, to build all your friendships the way you want to build them. This is one of the reasons why siblings are such a good idea. Because... While And specifically as you get older, while you can really love and care for your siblings and all that kind of stuff, when, when you put a bunch of kids and a family together before they're old enough to move out, they didn't design the, that other person. They didn't build that other sibling. They didn't design them to accentuate them. That's why siblings fight. Because God designed them. And he designed them differently. The same thing I, I've said about marriage before that God's designed your spouse to be the sandpaper in your life. And we don't... We, so we don't... So young. <laughs> so, so, uh, but that's true, right? And this is one of the things that I hear from couples over time is, well, this is not the person I married. Guess what? You're not the person they married either. And it's a good thing. You're always growing and changing, developing, and and you've got to learn to interact and love and all that. When Jesus said through Paul in Ephesians, love your wife, guys, he didn't say because she's a good woman. He didn't say because she doesn't pick on your nag. He didn't say because she cooks the meals and does that. He didn't say any of that stuff. He said, love your wives as Christ loved the church. That's it. So there's choices involved with this. The, the things that somehow, if we could not ever have a job, that, that would destroy most of us. It would. I believe that we need purpose. This is, the, this is what I mentioned to this um, uh, young army guy, was you, do, you need purpose in life. He says, more than you know, I need that. He said, I'm raising my son, my wife works. He said, and I love that, I enjoy that. And he said, but I need something. Now, here's where we're going to go with this. John chapter 15, verse 1. I am the true grapevine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch of mine that doesn't produce fruit, and he prunes the branches that do bear fruit, so they will produce even more. This is something we always talk about, the fruit and all this other kind of stuff. But here's something I think maybe it's intuitive here, but I I don't I think sometimes we can skip past it if we're not careful. Do you realize that the Lord wants you doing something? He's designed you to produce fruit in fact what does jesus do jesus is walking along he sees this little fig tree this little fig bush and it doesn't have any figs on it and he was really hungry so he gets upset and he just curses the fig tree they come back the next day it's dead it's dead if i'm the disciple i'm like jesus is there anything i can do for you (laughs) right think about what i'm saying because what Jesus was saying is that thing was designed to produce figs. If it's not producing figs, it's wasting ground space, right? And this is what he's saying: the same thing here. If if we don't produce fruit, he'll he'll um, he'll uh, prune us so that we can. This is the part that make that that. I believe is, is contributing to a lot of stuff in America in a general sense, and even in the church in America, is if, if we live a Christianity that's just around um, feeling spiritual things, the Lord will say to us, that's not okay, you're supposed to be doing stuff. And if you're not doing stuff, I'm going to work on you, I'm going to prune you until you're doing stuff. So that you are producing stuff. This is, this is a challenge for us. The Lord wants us producing stuff. He's designed us this way. And if, we're do, and if we're not, he'll work on our lives. And then we get upset because things are happening in our lives and, and we're like, God, please help me. And God's like, I'm doing this to you because I want you to produce. I want you to do. The idea that we have built In American Christianity, that we can go to church. We can just show up in church, sit for a while, go home, and don't ever do anything for God. While that is very, very strong in the church right now. It is not godly, and God is not okay with it, and He's pruning. He's working on us. Had a conversation with a family just recently. They went here for a while and and left. They wanted to go to a big church where they could just be. This, this has happened at least four or five times in the last couple of years right here. I wanted to go to a big church where they could just be. What does that mean? I'm not, this is not a big church, small church issue, okay? It's not. This is an attitude to the heart of the individual. It has nothing to do with the church itself. But if, you, but if you've got a mentality, well, I just want to go and sit, listen to something and do something. I had a good friend of mine visiting me this, this last week. He's, he's, uh, he and I went to college together. Um, he's a couple years older than I am, and he just found out they were pregnant. <laughs> uh, that has nothing to do with what I was going to say, but he's 51, and they're due in September. So, <clears throat> God bless him. So, either way, <laughs> I was showing pictures of my granddaughter to people, and finally he pulls out, as we were at a, at a restaurant with this waitress, and and he said, let me show you my girl. And he opens up and he shows his two-year-old daughter. And she said, oh, is that your granddaughter? He said, no, nope, that's my daughter. <laughs> okay, so what I was saying was, he told me, he said, you know, this is an this is interesting thing about the church. He said, the church has built a, a culture now. He lives in Texas. He so said, the church has built a culture now where we expect other people to do our Christianity. I said, explain that. And he said, guys like you, you said, you're the pastor. You develop everybody's Christianity. Not the people sitting in the building. They don't work out their own salvation. They come and let you work out their salvation. I told him, John, you have no idea how true that is. You have no idea how much that defines the church of today. That guys like me, I'm the the paid guy. I'm the professional So I'll build all the messages, I'll tell all the stuff, I'll do all the things, I'll build the Bible studies, I'll explain, and then you go, mm, that made me feel good, or mm, that didn't make me feel good. Where are we getting into the Word? Where are we getting in and spending time praying, really seeking God, doing all of this stuff? Jesus is saying here, if you're not producing, I'm going to work on you, and I'm going to keep working on you until you produce. Because that's what you're supposed to be doing. God designed us this way. Continue on. Remain in me and I will remain in you. For a branch cannot produce fruit if it is severed from the vine. I've had a conversation a couple times in the last couple weeks of people that are saying, well, I don't need to go to church because I serve God. I don't need church. I don't need the, the, the religious institution and the bureaucracy called church. Okay, but if you think that you can do this isolated, here's a little uh, experiment. Cut your toe off, set it on the bathroom sink, come back a couple weeks later and see how it's doing. <laughs> I mean, just, it's just an experiment. You may not want to try it, but, but give it a run. See how well that toe is doing by itself. It doesn't work. But we tell ourselves this stuff. Why? Because it's about us. It's not about God. Remember, as I've said over the last couple of weeks, if you're a Christian, there are things that are supposed to be different about you. You're supposed to treat others different. You're supposed to think about your life different. You're supposed to think about your finances different. Those are the last few weeks. Well, this is, you're supposed to think about the direction of your existence differently. Why? Because you're a Christian. You need certain things. You can't cut the branch off, set it off to the side, and see if it lives. It's not going to. It's going to die. You need the body of Christ. And you need the body of Christ in a way that you didn't design it. You don't get to handpick the body of Christ. This is one of the things about people that will say things like, um, well, I don't, I, don't really, I don't really connect in that church. I don't really get, you know, it's not really my place. You know, I didn't, I didn't really find any good friends or whatever the case is. I've always found that statement interesting because I believe, this is a little overstatement, but I do believe this, that probably the reason that you're not feeling comfortable in that setting is because you are supposed to be there. You say, what? That doesn't make sense. Yes, because if everybody looks and acts like you and you just get along with everybody, you're probably not going to grow a whole lot. It's having to come to church week after week with that guy that you're just not sure about. You think he might be a little off. But he's a decent pastor, so you keep coming. <laughs> right? <Amen. laughs> so so here, here's, the, here's the deal with that is when we say iron sharpens iron, which is interesting because we always use that for men, but that's for men and women too. You know that, right? Uh, iron sharpens iron. That is, we, we're assuming, this, this is one of the things that, that, that gets me about the church thinking sometimes is iron sharpens iron. We always use that as, um, I'm iron and I'm going to sharpen pewter. Because I'm strong, pewter's not. When it says iron sharpens iron, you need to be being chipped and, and, and sharpened and worked on no matter how strong you think you are. You always need to be being worked on. There needs to be some kind of production. He says, I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who remain in me and I am them will produce much fruit. See, this is one of the things that always gets me about the, how we define Christianity, how we define maturity in Christianity, and even these kind of things. I've, I've mentioned this before. One of, my, one of my closest friends I've ever had in my life, he's, he's 95 this year, and, uh, and he, he, has, he said this to me a half a dozen times over the years. He said, just because people get older and just because people are Christians for a long time doesn't mean they're maturing. Doesn't mean they're growing in the Lord. He says, you can tell if they're growing in the Lord by what is happening from their life. Not not what is happening in their life, but what is happening from their life. Who is being ministered to? Who is being changed? Who is being transformed? Who is getting saved? Who is being healed? All these different things. This is biblical stuff. Is this stuff happening around somebody that's a mature Christian? That proves they're a mature Christian. Why? Let me read again. Those who remain in me and I in them will produce fruit. It didn't say they will feel good. They will have lots of Bible studies. It says that they will be producing. Production will be happening from their life. Why? Because they're in Jesus and Jesus is in them. If you're not producing, how can you say that statement is true in your life? I'm saying we really need to analyze this. We like to say, and this is, I, I know I'm stepping in a territory where we do not like in the church because we, no, that's not true. It doesn't always have to be about production. You, you can feel the presence. Of God. You can know, okay. Those who remain in me, and I in them, will produce much fruit. And I'm not bringing it into this message this morning except to say this. Scripture tells us that we are producing fruit, the primary fruit we produce as Christians is souls. Souls. Not good feelings. Not spiritual things. But souls. Are people growing? Are they maturing? Is things happening around you? If you're in Jesus, it will be happening. For apart from me, you can do nothing. Anyone who does not remain in me will be thrown away like a useless branch and withers. Think about that. You'll be thrown away and you'll wither if you're you're not producing. You can't get any stronger language than this. And, guys, for some reason, the church in America has just pretended this scripture doesn't exist. It's about just going to church every now and then, doing some things, you know, listening to Christian music. I, I don't know why in the church world we really think. That that is mature Christianity. Well, I listen to Christian music. So what? Literally, so what? That's, that, it's entertaining you? It's, it's blessing? Okay, whatever. I'm not saying it's bad. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's bad. But we, really have, we have so watered down Christianity, we think that is dedicated Christian living. I listen to Christian music somewhere we've hindered the real big picture that we're supposed to be doing put our hands to the plow working through things processing praying for people ministering talking spending our time our energy our resources on doing what the lord has told us to do but we we trick ourselves in modern christianity to think it's about well am i satisfied am i happy am i am i whatever instead of am i doing Is the church moving forward? Is the kingdom of God moving forward because of me? Is it or is it not? Is the church going to die if it looks like me or is it going to live if it looks like me? Is the church going to be praying if it looks like me or not praying? Is the church going to be knowing the word of God if it looks like me or not knowing the word of God if it looks like me? You can go down the line, all the different things. I'll give you one. Don't misunderstand what I'm saying. We. we're paying the bills, all that kind of stuff around here, all right? But let me say it like this. Does church at Briargate stay open and pay the bills if, if everybody looks like you or not? Somewhere we got to own that a little bit. Somewhere that has to come into to play. Somewhere we got to think, am I really all in? What Jordan Peterson is saying in this is if you say you believe in God, shouldn't it look like it to everybody around you? Shouldn't there be that in your life? I mean, shouldn't it be obvious? that if you remain in me and my words remain in you, you may ask for anything you want and it will be granted. When you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. That's, that's big. When you produce much fruit, you are my disciples. I've, I've had this conversation many different times in different settings with people when I'm trying to talk to them about the Lord or whatever, and they'll say to me, somebody, and I, I use this as a conversation starter, right? I'm not trying to use it to, to be anti something. I, I use it as a conversation starter. Somebody will say, Are you a Christian? And I say, Well, it really would def- depend greatly on how you define that. Because if somebody says to me, Are you a Christian? that can mean a lot of different things. Okay, in some cultures, being a Christian means you were not born Catholic. Okay, so am I a Christian? Well, I don't know. What do you think a Christian is? You tell me what you think a Christian is, and I'll tell you whether I'm that. Will you go to church. Well, is that what you think a Christian is? Because if you think that's a Christian, sure, I'm a Christian. I go to church. Is that a Christian? No, I mean, I, think about how people think about stuff. Use the term Christian today, and a lot of people think that means that you hate something. You hate um, uh, homosexuals. You hate um, immigrants. You hate I mean, you just go down the line. It's just how people want to define Christianity. So that's why I ask, well, what do you think a Christian is? If they say something, I'll say, well, here's what I think a Christian is. I've given my life, my heart, my soul to the God who created me. I let his blood cover me, forgive me, and give me direction and purpose in him. I'm one of those. That's what I call a Christian. So here's the thing. Can you be, now now I know this is, I'm making this a lot more black and white than it is, but here it is. Can you be a Christian if all you do is just go to church once a week? Or once a month? Can you be a Christian? The answer to that is yes. Yes. But my question would be, how long? How long does that branch live like that? Okay, let me continue. Romans chapter 8, verse 26. The Holy Spirit helps us in our weaknesses. For example, we don't know what the Holy Spirit wants us to pray for, but the Holy Spirit prays for us with groanings and that cannot be expressed in words. The, the first thing here is we don't know everything. Okay, that's, a, that's an important start in life in any setting. We don't know everything. We don't know the next step. We don't know the future. We don't know the things. that We need the Holy Spirit to help us. And the Father who knows all hearts knows what the Spirit is saying. For the Spirit pleads for us believers. For what? In harmony with God's own will. The Holy Spirit is going to be praying through you and for you according to God's Will, not according to your plans and desires. And this is one of the most important things about praying in the Spirit is it gives the best opportunity for you to not be in charge. It is the best potential prayer that you're going to pray. Because you don't get to guide it, lead it. And, and it does, and I'm not saying that when you're praying that you're bad or, or wrong, or when you're praying, no. It's the other way around. When you're praying, you're you're do, you're already in the right track. Okay? You're talking to God, you're doing this stuff. But here's what I know on a personal level: is sometimes I can pray for things that I know God doesn't want for me. I know. I but I but I can I can keep phrasing it in my head until I begin to feel comfortable with how it's phrased to God, right? Instead of saying um, God, give me a million dollars. Okay, instead of saying something like that, we can say things like, "God, I really would like to have the financial resources to be able to bless people whenever I want to bless them under Your direction." Although in our head we're like, "But I'm going to like take most of that," you know. So, right? You understand what I'm saying? We can frame it even in our own minds to convince ourselves of things. When do we, when do we when do we pray the best? we let the Holy Spirit pray through us. Praying in the Spirit. Because He'll pray God's will. Even if you potentially are going to do that anyway, He's still going to do it better. Pray in the Spirit. He'll pray God's will for you. And here's the, here's the clincher at the end of this. And we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. That's the way it's always quoted, right? God causes good to... Usually the way I hear it quoted is God causes... Um, uh, for it together, to work together for good. First, that's not a correct. That's very. That's incomplete. It's wrong. Okay, God doesn't cause things just to work together for good. Okay, it work. God causes those thing, God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God. You've got to have that, or it's a completely incorrect uh, uh, quote. But then the next part says, "And are called according to His purpose." them. So you've got to be doing what God has called you to do for it to work together for your good. You can't be living your own life and just assume it's going to work together for your good. First, got to love God. That means really, completely, what I talked about a few weeks ago, completely love God. Not not human, not American way of loving God, but, but Bible way of loving God. And then you've got to be doing what he's called you to do, because that's what he's going to cause it to work together for good, is for your purpose in him. He's going to cause it to work together good for those that love God in the purpose that he has called you. That's when you put all that together, then it works. Again, do you see the the understanding in the scripture? We're supposed to be doing something. We're supposed to be fulfilling the purpose that he's created us to, to, to fulfill. That has to be part of the subject or the first part doesn't work. Philippians chapter 2. Now here's where the, the spiritual mental connection for our own spiritual mental health comes into being with this. Uh, Philippians chapter 2. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? That's a great question. You could do a whole, you could do a whole sermon series just on that sentence. Is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Uh, let me say that um, a different way. It kind of changes a little bit, but what good is it to serve Jesus? I've had people ask that question. W- what does it matter if you serve Jesus or not serve Jesus? Well, I can give you plenty of reasons, just in a, in a life sense, in a, in a family sense, in a in a parent sense, in a, in a marriage sense, in a community sense, that don't even go into eternity, that don't even... Don't even progress into the transcendent mentality of serving Jesus, just in the normal sense. I I said this to my kids many times growing up, when they were growing up, me with them, but the idea that if you serve Jesus, your life will already be better. Your life will be better because the truths that Jesus hand down to us about life and morality and, and people, relationships, all that kind of thing, they're the best they are the best, even in the, just in a world sense, they're the best option. When you add the fact that he brings his spirit and his peace in, when you add the fact that, that you're interacting in a relationship, that you're going to marry him today, when you bring all that in, it even takes it further. But just the lifestyle of Christianity is a good, it's the best thing going in society. It just is. So he says, is there any encouragement from belonging to Christ? Any comfort from his love? Let me, let me ask that across here. Anybody ever been comforted by the love of Jesus? I know I have. That, that right there is a, is a solid spiritual health sentence. Any comfort from his love? Yes, in a way that nothing else will do that. Jesus' love can comfort you in a way that no human being's love can. Continues. Any fellowship together in the Spirit... I think that's what we've already accomplished at some level here this morning. I hope. I know it feels like that to me. I feel like we, that, that, that there was some fellowship together this morning. I, I feel that way. You say, well, I didn't feel it at all. <laughs> Maybe that's on you. I, I heard a great statement. Francis Chan said this one time. Um, that, that after church, this person walked out. And said something to him about, well, I really didn't enjoy worship this morning. And he said, that's good, because we weren't worshiping you. Right? Somebody like, "Mm." (laughs) hmm. Right? It's one of those kind of statements, isn't it? We're not worshiping you. Nobody cares whether you liked it. We're worshiping Jesus. We really want him to like it. We really want him. I'm not joking about it. We really want him to like it. We want him to be encouraged by it. We want him to be moved by it. We want his heart to be connected with ours through that. It doesn't matter about the people in the room. We're not worshiping us. We're worshiping Jesus. We're not worshiping the music. We're we're worshiping Jesus. He says, "Any, any fellowship together in the Spirit, are your hearts tender and compassionate? Now, all of those things are important for the next sentence. Paul then says, Then make me truly happy by agreeing wholeheartedly with each other, loving one another, and working together with one mind and purpose. Paul says, did you feel something in the service? Are you being encouraged by the love of Jesus? Is Is something happening within you? Then do this for me. Start working together and loving each other. You know why he says this? Because this church was struggling with each other. They were attacking each other. Now, I, I don't, I'm not saying that because I think we're doing that here. In fact, I don't think we're doing that here. If, if, you, if we are, you're keeping it a secret. But I don't think we're fighting with each other. I don't think we're at each other. I don't think that kind of thing. But what Paul is saying is when, when you understand that you work together for the purpose that the Lord has accomplished, then you will be understanding, the being tender and compassionate. You will be fellowshipping together in the Spirit, and the love of Christ will be doing things. Why? Because you're going the direction as a body. This is not just individuals. As a body that God has called you to go. And you will you will feel good about that. You will be, you will be walking in that direction. And this is something that I, I've told pastors for years. When, when pastors sit down with me, and, and I do this a lot, I, I, um, I mentor a lot of pastors. In fact, I've got two guys right now that, that um, show up to our staff meetings every now and then, and um, I'm working with these guys. And, and um, so, this is one of the things to tell them when they start talking about, about how people in the church are fighting together. Okay, I always tell them you can fix that actually pretty quickly. You can tell that he's. A, that, I was about to say he because one of them I recently had this conversation. What? Kick him out of the church? No, that's not. That's not. I mean, maybe, but no. Here's here's what you do. The reason that people within a church body start infighting is because they have nothing else to do. The same reason kids act out, because they got nothing to do. The reason people complain about the the color of the carpet or the temperature in the building, I'm glad that air conditioner just came on when I said that. (laughs) It's a lot hotter up here than out there, trust me. But the, the reason that people complain about those kind of things is because they've taken their eyes off souls and they've started to put them on the church. That's why people get upset and complain. Because we don't have anything to do. The church was not designed, guys. You you know this intuitively. But I have to say it. The church was not designed for us just to come together and have services. That's not what the body of Christ is designed to do. To me, I heard this statement years ago. I'm not using it the way they use it, I don't think. But... I heard this preacher years ago say, I was, I was, this was the year before Lynn and I got married. It stands out to me very strongly, this whole sermon he preached. But he, but he um, and the guy's name is Dr. Howard Kenyon. You could look that up. But I was listening to him. He said, you know what the church does is we've trained ourselves to all sit around and stare at our own navels. And I thought, what does he mean? I didn't have a clue at the time. And then I understood over time. We're all looking in. We're just staring at our own belly buttons. The church can't operate like that. Do you think that God made a human body to sit and stare at its own belly button? That's why simple things like exercise are so important for the body. Physical body. It's so important for the body. You don't exercise, it doesn't take long to realize your body's not operating the way it's supposed to operate. You're supposed to exercise. It's the same way for the church. The body of Christ is supposed to be exercising. It's supposed to be out there doing things. When we're not we're, we're focusing in, Philippians 4. Then you will experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. His peace will guard your hearts and your minds, the way you feel, the way you think, as you live in Christ Jesus. Peace of God doesn't just guard you, it guards you in Christ Jesus. Now, then he goes on to, and this is very famous, you know, everybody knows this. Now, dear brothers and sisters, one final thing. Fix your thoughts on what is true, honorable, right, pure, lovely, and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. We always isolate that sentence by itself. But it doesn't, it, it actually goes into the next sentence that the point of it is. He says, put your mind where it needs to be. I'll bring peace to your mind and heart, the way you think and the way you feel. So think on the things of God. Think about the good things, the right things that I have designed that you're supposed to think about. And then he says, keep putting into practice. This isn't just a mind uh, exercise. That's what we do with Philippians four eight. Is we make it a mind exercise. Think on these things. Think about this stuff. Think about that. Okay, I'm thinking about it. Are you right? I do feel better. But the next sentence says, "Keep putting into practice all that you've learned and received from me. Keep putting into practice. Keep doing. You can't just stop at thinking." you got to keep putting it into practice. Everything you heard from me and saw me doing, then the God of peace will be with you. If we stop at just the thinking, we never get to the God of peace being with us. you got to be doing it. you got to be doing it. One of the biggest things with our, our, our mental, spiritual health, and by the way, I believe this is one of the, the biggest things you can do to combat um, depression is the first level is to have purpose. But the second level is to have purpose in Christ. Purpose alone will eventually um, water out. Purpose, Purpose alone will eventually run its course. Purpose in Christ never stops. In fact, if it's true purpose in Christ, I believe in a way that I don't understand, by the way, I believe that it will transcend into eternity. Okay? We get little hints of that through Scripture, that what we're doing now, we're going to be doing then kind of thing. So I put it into three categories. Stand with me if you would. Number one, we are designed to do. We've got to see that. We're designed to do. Kingdom of God. That, and that, by the way, I believe that that does include Church of Briargate local, but I don't think it's limited to that. Okay. In other words, I don't think to be doing, you have to be doing something at Church of Briargate this isn't a recruiting message, although it could be. But, but it's going to include the local church. You can't, you can't be separated from the local church and doing completely. That, that doesn't really work. Okay. The second thing, we are fulfilled when we have purpose. And I think this is in a general sense. When you have purpose in life, when you have reason to get up every morning, there's going to be a fulfillment and it will, it will push away um, depression and things like that. The third thing, we are given peace from the Holy Spirit when our purpose lines up with God's will. When the, when, we, when we get to the point where our purpose, when we are realizing what God's purpose for us is and then we do that. Some of it's general for all of us but then there's very specific things for each one of us. When my purpose is doing His will, doing His will, let's pray together. Lord, we need You. We need Your Spirit, Your presence. Holy Spirit, we need You just to jump right in the middle of us beyond beyond what we think we need. Lord, invade our thinking, invade our existence, invade our life. Lord, attack the things that keep us from really just surrendering. Destroy them. Whether it be mental, emotional, physical things, resource, whatever the reasons that we come up with. Lord, tear down the reasons and leave us laid bare before you. Lord, I pray that every person in this room, I I know every person in this room is needing, desiring peace. Lord, help us to realize that it it is walking and working in you that that primarily happens. The way you want us to, doing what you've called us to do. Lord, help us not to be lazy in life and help us not to be lazy in our relationship with you. Help us to be doing, doing, getting out and being who you've told us to be. Putting our hands to the things you've told us to put our hands to. Got our time, our energy, our resources. In the name of Jesus. Lord, I know that that's what fulfills us in you. That's when you bring peace into our mind and calm our mind. That's when you bring peace into our our hearts and calm our our spirit, our emotions. Because we're doing what you've told us to do and we're producing fruit producing fruit. Keep your head bowed. I want to I ask you this and I want you to just to spend a, a few minutes before we leave here talking to God about this. Where are you with this uh, whole branching? If you're a branch, what fruit is on your branch? What fruit is in your life right now? It, it, is the Lord saying, hey, I need to prune you? I need to fix some things because there's not any fruit? Or, or maybe... Um, Maybe that fruit is growing. He wants to help develop it. There's, I mean, you can look at this a, a lot of different layers. But to really ask yourself, what fruit is being produced for my life right now? And if it's all ethereal, if it's all um, spiritual with no tangible physical stuff, you need to really evaluate that. If there's not names and lives you can put to this, you need to evaluate this. To say, Lord, I want fruit produced. I want fruit produced for me. And then here's the difficult thing. Can you say, so Lord, have your way, do what you want to do. Prune me, change things, fix me, whatever you want to do. Lord, I pray that you do that. Do you have the, are you in that place? Can you say that? God, I ask you to help us to analyze this, to really analyze this. Lord, what fruit is being produced? What fruit what lives are being changed spiritually around me right now, what fruit, what lives are being saved around me right now, what lives are being healed around me right now, what relationships are being put back together around me right now, what marriages are being helped for me right now, what, what teenager, what child is coming to know you because of my life right Lord, convict us. Holy Spirit, convict us in the name of Jesus. Convict us. And then, Lord, help us to do something. Convict us and help us to do something in the name of Jesus. Help us to do something. So I leave that part up to you. Maybe take a, a couple minutes before you take off. Sit at your seat, kneel down, come kneel at the front, whatever you want to do. And uh, and talk to the Lord about it a little bit. Ask him, God, how do I change this? What do I do? What do I do differently? What needs to happen? What do you want to happen for my life? Okay. Also, before you leave, you can come look at these pots, take the one of the cards, one of the things, do something with that. Um, pray for the Haley's. You can go to the website, all the different things that are involved. So before noon tomorrow, God's going to give you the opportunity to let somebody know Jesus loves them. Do the best you can. Tell somebody about Jesus this week. That's the greatest fruit that can ever be produced, ever. God, honor that in your life. It's a guarantee. So spend a little time with the Lord. Say hello to somebody, something. And uh, we will see you Wednesday night. Have a great day.